Know Thyself is dedicated to the exploration of the most rewarding task an individual can ever embark on, the journey to find oneself. Our intention is to investigate the universal principles that have equipped our species to seek the treasure of all treasures, self-knowledge. With your host, Daniel Powinski and Eduardo Manteca. This is the Know Thyself Podcast. Okay, we are recording. Check. Check, check. I think we're always going to do that. I think we're Every always going to check the mic levels ever since Beastie that first boys. time. <laughs> Beastie, Beastie boys. boys. <laughs> well, welcome to the Know Thyself podcast. Uh, I'm here with Daniel. Hello. Powinski. Uh, I'm Eduardo. And uh, yeah, we want to just continue the the same path that we were on last week with natural laws. I was talking to Daniel and more so um, correspondence. And I know that's um, one of the hermetic principles that... I think I read is most popular or people can really sort of go off on. And uh, I'd rather have Daniel sort of carefully explain what we mean by um, correspondence, you know, and, and its application uh, within the universe. So, yeah, no. And I, I really like how you just brought that up. Um, and I don't know if it's the most popular one, but you, you said it right afterwards. It's the one that you can sense a little bit easier. So, Last week, we talked about the law of mentalism, and the law of mentalism is so important. And that's why we said when we were talking about it, hey, we're going to come back to this one and really kind of finalize that story. Last week was really just an introduction to it. But the law of mentalism, even though it's what creates our reality, it's almost a very abstract one to understand. And you don't really see the physical effects other than the effects of it. Where the law of correspondence, once you start kind of learning about this law, you can really, really see the similarities. And there's a lot of visual representations of this. So it's hard to see how our thoughts manifest into our environment visually. With a law of correspondence, there's a lot of indicators and there's a lot of symbols that we can kind of point to to show like, hey, this is that principle and this is how that principle is mm-hmm. reacting. So that's a that's a really, really good question. That's a really good way to kind of put that one up. Um, and this is why we were so excited to talk about this one. And you were saying right before the podcast, this is like one of your favorites. And I agree with myself. This is when I came across this principle the first time, it just it just grabbed my mind immediately. And I just started seeing it. And then I started seeing all of its almost like its example, examples in nature and in my own life. So yeah, no, yeah. it's a it's something that you're able to grasp. I know that I've when I first read about it. I remember talking uh, about it with somebody that I was uh, outside with and I was saying, you know, and in these outdoors, you find light and you find joy and you find love. And that's just a mirror of what's inside of us, but we're outside experiencing it. And that's why we, we can at least all agree that like, this is what we feel. And this is like why we're here. And it was something I, I remember reading about that in correspondence. And I was like, okay, I can relate to that, which allowed me to sort of, again, grasp it. Right. Grasp it because you have to be able to hold an idea, right? right? And ideas, they move like trains. So sometimes you really have to grab them to investigate them. So the law of correspondence, and this is something you've probably heard before, as above, so below, as below, so above. So everybody's really heard this before. We've seen it in our culture, but really what does it mean? Um, And like, and when we kind of start breaking down this meaning, just like the principle of mentalism this again is like an iceberg, right? So we're going to kind of show the surface level today and get a little deeper. But as you go on in life, you keep going deeper. This is a study that is always 
a more complete picture is always forming. So you can always get a more complete understanding of this and a, and a greater understanding of this. So again, with these principles, it's never ending. You're always on the path of learning these. You just learn the principles and then you build from that foundation a structure, which is your thoughts, your emotions, and your actions. So you're all knowing knowledge, right? So again, we want to keep that in mind that this is, there's so many layers to this understanding and there's such a deep meaning. So as I above, so below. And the first thing we're going to look at of this principle is the idea that the, the universe as we know it is a hologram. So hologram is a picture that's like a complete picture. So that's why hollow, holistic, right? Gram, a unit of measurement. So it's like the complete understanding and the complete measure of a picture. But with a hologram, what's unique about a hologram, because it's not just a picture. If you take a hologram, say we're saying like looking at a hologram and I break that hologram in half, we don't just have half of the picture. Say I give you one side and I take one side. You don't just have half of a picture. You have the complete picture still. It's just smaller. And I carry the complete picture. And if I broke that into four pieces and handed them to three other people, we would still have the complete picture of that hologram. Okay, so this is really important to kind of keep that in your mind because the universe is a hologram. So really what that's saying is you can look at the universe as a whole or you can start breaking it down into its small pieces but as you see the small pieces, you're still getting the picture of the whole hologram. So really what we're kind of looking at is when we say as above, so below, what we're talking about at first is the as above part, that's the macrocosm. That's the universe. That's the planets. That's all the large factors in the universe, mm -hmm. right? And then the as both so below, that's the microcosm, okay? That's the, the units that complete the whole that's the atoms. That's ourselves, right? That's all the small units that kind of complete the whole, but they're all part of the whole. And the macrocosm and the microcosm act as a mirror on each other. So as above, so below. So when you learn about the planets, when you learn about universal motion, you're also learning about yourself. When you learn about yourself, you're learning about these universal motion, these universal principles. Does, so, this, does this still fall into sort of the idea of you're created in the image of the of the creator? I mean, you're, you've been created. It's almost like that's, the mirror. That's oh, 100%. Right? So, and you know, that's something we're going to come back to when we're going through mentalism. Yeah. But that is it right there. You are the universe. So you're just a, a holographic fracture of the universe. Wow. So if you understand yourself, you will understand the universe. This is why when you go into like a really small microscope and you start looking at cells and how atoms work, right? And you see the rotation of the atoms and then you really expand that out. And then you look at how the planets revolve around the sun. It's the same exact thing, right? You, and then you look at past that and you look at the universe and that's revolving around a, a central star as well. So you really start seeing that. That again, that as above, so below, we are part of the creation. And that's what's so hard because we live in this five sense reality. We don't really realize that we are part of creation and we are the creators. And that's why your thought energy is so important because thought energy is what created the universe and you partake in this. So you are part of the creator. It's just depending, are your thoughts angelic or are they that lower materialistic, what you would almost call in the middle ages, like demonic? Right? Is it all selfishness, 
me first, protect, you know, just my own little clan, or is it a holistic, unconditional love? And that's kind of where the thoughts come into. But again, we have that law of correspondence. So Mm -hmm. as above, so below. And where we are, we're right in the middle of this mirror, right? This is why in Lord of the Rings, it was called Middle Earth. So there's macrocosmos, which is like the macro rules, and that's really like natural law. And then there's the micro understanding. So again, this is why this is why we know thyself. This is why this podcast is oh so concerned with knowing thyself because we are our own image of the universe. Is that why they say what happens in the macrocosm happens in the micro, and what happens in the micro right. happens in the macro? Right. It's just the same mirror you're talking about. Exactly. It's the same mirror. So when we learn about these principles and we learn about you know how the universe actually works. We're really looking at like how people work, how we interact, right? Um, so this is occult knowledge. Occult knowledge is the understanding of how the macro works and the understanding of how the micro works. And that's really important because that's really what the whole universe is about. It's saying if you study those two things, you can get a full, complete picture. But that's also why we have to not compartmentalize our knowledge and that knowledge is holistic. So just self-study of like understanding who you are doesn't isn't just limited to you. Mm-hmm. If you understand yourself, you're going to understand other people a little bit more. You're going to understand about how groups work. You're going to understand about how communities work. So we really want to understand that occult knowledge is both the macro, understanding how the universe works, what is the roles of the planets on us, and that's when we're getting to like astrology and everything like that, um, but also the micro the individual. How does the individual work in the smaller units? And this is a really important one because there's a there's a unique occult term and it's the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. And that's something that in modern thought we've almost flipped. Now we try to break everything up, right? So we try to break up Say even you're going to be an engineer. Well, you're going to be a mechanical engineer. You're going to be an electrical engineer, right? It breaks down and it compartmentalizes, and you have these like specifications, which is which is great to learn something really, really in detail. But the problem is, is you they stay in that compartment and they don't understand how this thought or this this thing that they're studying is connected to the whole world. So what we want to do with that is really understand why we kind of reconnect that knowledge. So right, do you take that knowledge that you learned that you almost isolate it and why you kind of connect it to the whole. And that's because the sum is greater than the part. All the, the sum, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. The whole is okay. So you kind of take that as say, um, like say like this, say we have like, we dissect an animal, right? On the table and we take part together all the parts, right? We take together everything out of it. If we reconstructed that animal, We could put that animal back exactly how it was, but that animal's not going to have life to it, right? There was a, the whole of it together was a certain essence that we can't recreate by just breaking it down in its parts. So the sum of all that information, which is like that life force and that universal understanding, the whole is very powerful, right? This is also why if there's ever a tyrannical government, what they want to do is they just get every different group to fight each other, right? Because a tyrannical government knows that the whole is a very powerful thing that they can't even compete against. So that's why you're always going to have 
racial tension. That's why you're always going to have economic tension. That's why you're always going to have cultural tension. Because they know if we actually unified, they could talk. They could topple any tyrannical government, right? That's why they're always going to isolate the parts and make the parts kind of fight each other. Because if that, if consciousness went together and that population became a whole, it would be a force that would be impossible to go against. Of course, right? It would be a unified consciousness. So, really, kind of thinking when we, it really comes down to when we say the whole is greater than the sum of all parts. Really, what we're trying to stress here is the idea of holistic thinking, seeing the big picture, seeing that thread, how's everything connected into one subject. Right. right? And that's kind of what we're studying. So again, the macrocosm, which is the large, and the microcosm, which is the small. And this is expressed in occultism through the, through the tarot deck. So in the tarot deck, you have the major arcana and the major, minor arcana. Major arcana is going to be those almost like those pretty cards like you see that's like the high priestess this is the tower mm. the emperor right this is the large this is the natural law principles these are the big cosmic principles and then you have the minor arcana which doesn't mean it's less important but these are the smaller units this is more the self story right so that's where so really if you're talking to an occultist they might not call it the macro and the micro but they'll call what they call the major arcana and the minor arcana so Really, that's kind of the the big thing about the correspondence is learning both sides of these and understanding that they're a reflection of each other. Right. And as you learn from one, you get a better understanding of the other. And really kind of goes back to that understanding that, that you brought up earlier, and that's that we are the universe. We are just a smaller scale of the universe. And then if you focus in on us, there's trillions of universes within, within us, within the atoms. And the atom is its own universe. And then if you expand us out, our culture, our society, that's a part of a universe, right? And then it just keeps expanding out and you actually see the grand universes that we see through our telescope. So just the understanding that the same force that keeps the planets in motion are the same force that keeps the atoms in motion in your body and your environment. It's that constant motion, it's that motion that pumps your heart, right? We don't even have to think about it. It just is always going to happen. And so as we kind of understand that, and we understand that there's a vibration and a pattern to everything, that's where you get to start to understand that everything in your universe, in your environment has consciousness. The planets have consciousness, the universe has consciousness, we're conscious individuals to the smallest atoms. Now, an atom isn't gonna be self-conscious like a human is, but it's different levels. And it kind of graduates from like a single cell to a multi-cell to organisms, mm -hmm. and you have like fish, reptiles, and that consciousness always kind of expands up until you get to human consciousness. And then within human consciousness, it depends on how conscious you are, like what we've been talking about. But the idea that there's consciousness in everything inside of nature, and that's really what you're tapping into when we talk about like going on a hike and everything. And you go, I, I, feel, I feel connected with this pattern, like we were talking about last week. You're, the pattern of its consciousness, trees have consciousness. There's something that inside that tree teaches it how to grow, how to go towards the light, right? We see the consciousness in our animals, right? So it's, it's really comes down to really expanding our perspective, expanding our consciousness so we can see those patterns as we hear the dog in the background. Look at that animal consciousness. We know it. We know it. So 
Is this why it's uh, described as uh, with correspondence as a universal application? Universal application, yeah, absolutely, because you can see it on every realm of life. And it just depends if you're consciously aware of it, if you're seeing the patterns, right? And if this is, like we said, this is a such a unique one because we can see so many visual elements of this. And that's what makes it such a, a unique subject and such an early on subject for an occult student to jump into and really kind of sink their teeth in because they're like, hey, that is true. Like, if I look into your eyes, it looks like a universe, right? And you are a universe. If I look at a picture of a universe, it looks like your eyes. Mm-hmm. So it's that connection. It's what connects us to the creator and because we're partaking in the creator by our thoughts. Right, right. Ah, it's very beautifully well put. <laughs> I agree 100%. Um, so can you explain more about the harmony? So the harmony with all of these, I know that I was reading in regards to the physical and the mental and the spiritual planes, but I figured you would be able to sort of, you know, if I can just interject a little bit, I want to know more about those planes. Cause you already kind of did explain it with the patterns, but, um, I mean, what are they really dis- describing or what are they really ex- um, saying or making a statement about when they say the planes? Yeah. So planes are really going to be almost like the layout of energy potential. So you have the physical plane that we find ourselves in here. We have the mental plane, and then we have that spiritual plane. Right. Almost like the finer substance that we've spoken about. Okay. So with the law of correspondence, how you kind of judge those planes is what you see on the physical, also you can see in the mental, and also you can see in the spiritual, right? If you become physically disciplined, you become your ment- your actual thoughts become more disciplined at the same time, right? And then if your thoughts are more disciplined and you're climbing that ladder, there's a better chance that you're going to partake into those finer spiritual substance that you're usually closed off to, right? Because it's that ladder to heaven we were talking about last week, those right. seven steps to the next octave, right? The seven musical no- notes, next octave. So really what the planes is, it's almost a plane of energy. Plane of energy. And that's really what they're talking about when they're talking about the three different planes of human consciousness and that's comes also like just think about how we broke down that brain again all these all these lessons want to connect themselves back to it that triune brain that number three comes up again the trinity Mm -hmm. this is why you have the trinity this is why three is such a powerful number and it's all because thought emotion action it's the three planes of existence and that's all they're talking about and again some people can depending on who you're reading they can get a little bit more abstract but it also can they can do a better job of like more beautifully explaining it, right like the the intricacies of everything so but that's exactly what the planes are right and so when you kind of bring up those planes um one thing that kind of fits into this and it's just kind of a interesting thing one thing we're going to really start looking at is the law of signatures as well so the law of signatures isn't so much a hermetic principle but it's where we start seeing this as above, so below come in, right? So the law of signatures represent where you can see almost that macrocosmic energy and the material objects in front of you. Hmm. Okay, so this is what the study of alchemy is all about, and this is the study of astrology as well. So the ancients, because before we had TV, right, and we would sit and watch the stars at night, started giving characteristics to the planets. And then those characteristics, as I above, so below, were started to give in objects as well in your life. So that's why in 
Saturn, which is the farthest visible planet, right? Saturn is where we get the idea of Satan from. Saturn is father time, okay? He's Kronos in mythology. He eats his own children, and that's because time eats its own children, right? We're always indebted to Saturn. Saturn is, he's the judge. This is why judges wear black gowns, right? This is why he's the end and the beginning, okay? So he eats he creates, he takes. So Saturn, Saturn, because Saturn always is a lesson, and he's always kind of you you Saturn's almost a heavier planet. This is why Saturn in alchemy and astrology is given lead, right? So this is the heaviest, darkest metal, right? Cold. Saturn is cold, right? So this is why in alchemy. You are changing that lead of Saturn into the gold of the sun. So you're taking it through a process of trans transmutation. So Saturn, that, that was the metal, that was the correspondence, right? So lead has a correspondence with Saturn. So that's how we're starting to kind of put these astrological archetypes to different kind of objects. And then you see where there's Saturn and lead in your life, right? right? So Saturn returns... Right. This is when you turn 27 and your whole life gets almost put into like this focused detail. And Saturn returns can be a very depressing time for people because it is. It's a constricting time. It's heavy. Right. Because Saturn's coming back around. It's at the same place where you took your first breath. And it's its second time around and it's checking in on you. Because Father Time's here to say, hey, I just want to let you know you're dying. Like you're yeah, the moment you took your first breath, you started to die. And now, where are you in the one-fourth of your life? Are you where you want to be? Or are you hanging out, partying, and everything? And this is why bars and house parties aren't as fun in your late 20s as they are in your early 20s, right? You start feeling almost silly, right? This is also why, probably why people who don't want to kind of get out of that thing start hanging out at fancy restaurants and having like, oh, when we're 27, we start eating charcuterie and drinking wine. Right. Because you're yeah. just like... Oh, how do I make this more sophisticated? And that's totally fine. Like you want to be social and you want to have a couple of drinks. Like that's totally up to you, but you're not getting hooked up to a keg, drinking out of a red cup, playing foot cup and just like downing terrible beer like you do in your early twenties. You just like can't do it when you're 27. Right? right. So that's Saturn returns. That's that lead is coming back. It's really starting to like, you need to start evolving with time. Right. And we talked about this again when Saturn comes back around, that's your midlife crisis. Mm -hmm. What are you going to do then? Are you going to reflect on your life and kind of reconnect to that child you left behind in your first Saturn returns? Or are you just going to try to buy a speedboat and be like, that's going to fix all those problems, right? Right. So Saturn, this heavy, heavy planet, this the law of signatures, which is kind of part of the correspondence, we can kind of start looking at the other planets. Jupiter. Jupiter is represented by tin. So Jupiter is the opposite of Saturn. Jupiter is Santa Claus. Jupiter is all about good feelings, bunch of, a bunch of warm air, right? And this is amazing that, the, that it was this warm air because if you look at Jupiter as a planet, there's no core to Jupiter. It's not cold and icy like Saturn is. It's just gas. It's just a bunch of warm energy. So Jupiter is just the guy at the party with the finger guns being like, what's up, my man? You know, he's just high-fiving, always good energy. Right. This is why, this is why, like, again, we just like spoke about Santa Claus, but the thing about Jupiter is it's all good energy, 
but there's no like surface to it. So you use it to kind of get you to different places, but you know, it's not the end goal, right? Jupiter can't be the end. So really kind of how do you balance the lead of Saturn? Well, you do it with the emphasis and the goodwill of Jupiter, Jupiter, even when it's, this is how amazing we don't give our, the astrologers of the past enough credit. Jupiter's actually rotation. They just found this out recently. It's rotation around the sun actually keeps asteroids out of the belt that would hit Earth. So Jupiter is literally like your guard against bad times. Like Jupiter, when you have Jupiter energy, you feel really good. This is why like, so Jupiter is Sagittarius. And this is why at the time of Sagittarius, everybody all stoked about Christmas because everybody's like, oh, so excited. And then like the 22nd, the 23rd and the 24th and 25th happen and Christmas happens and you're just like, get this over with. But when it was like December 2nd, the build up, you have like a Christmas hat on, you're drinking eggnog, you're like high five. And it's because it switches from Jupiter to Capricorn. So the energy shifts. And that's why that lead up to the holidays is almost better than like the actual, the actual holiday. day. And the holidays actually kind of heavy. Um, that's because it's, you're dealing with Capricorn, which that's an earth sign. It goes from the air sign to the earth sign. So it just kind of like regrounds you a little bit. It's just a little bit harder. So that's why like Christmas joy, like Christmas parties are better. If you're like an HR individual and you're scheduling your Christmas party, do it a week before Christmas and not a week after Christmas. Um, but again, we're going to see these, these laws and we're going to really kind of get into alchemy and astro- astrology because it's all these principles that we see in these planets are replicated in yourself. Which is why we have culture as you're talking about Christmas. It's, it's funny how Christmas is something that we can grasp as far as listeners go or any sort of, uh, relevant, um, you know, holiday that we celebrate, but it's important as you're saying that we're going to get into the astrology or the astronomy, no astrology, the so astrology. Astronomy, yep. So astronomy is going to be almost motion, right? Astrology is going to be meaning. And we're kind of more focused on the, the meaning. meaning. Yes. And it's important to know the meaning to understand why you feel such a way yeah, of course. towards something that you've been brought up, brought up into believing in. And sometimes people question those beliefs because of the, the attachment that came with it from a story previous, like in Christianity, you have the rebirth of Christ within this time of Chris, Christmas. But if you go all the way back to the Egyptian times, it still has the same, right. the uh, same story. Same st- story exactly. Right. And that's what's, but that's what makes that story so amazing. Right. Right. Because it's been sold to so many civilizations and it almost strengthens the story of Christianity. Right. right. And then if you're, if you follow Christianity, and that's the prophet that you resonate with. That's great because it's such an important question, right? It's such an important lesson. Um, but understanding that this story has been said before and it's, but where it comes from as an energy is what I'm saying. Like, that's, that's amazing that right, what you're bringing right. up is, is helping maybe people realize like, that's why I feel this way here. Right. And right. so much, not so much in this time, right. I don't feel the same that like, it wasn't that long ago that I felt this way. Why do I feel this way? Whatever. But the, the correspondence into that, you know, the astrological correspondences. And this is really why it's, it's really a shame because we were all just sold this idea that astrology is made up. Um, and as, as you just take a little bit of a study in it, you can really start seeing its importance, especially if you're just understanding archetypes mm-hmm. and human psyche and consciousness within the 12 signs, you can really start understanding that. I think really what happened with astrology is it really got watered down and people started just looking at, 
oh, my sun sign. They were just told about their sun sign, and then they would start reading about it, and they're like, well, half of that sounds like me, but the other half doesn't. Well, that's because you have your sun sign, you have the sign that your moon was in, you have the sign that your Venus was in. There's 12 other huge components, and then what house they are in makes a huge impact. So all that astrology really is when it comes down to the personal account, we'll get onto the mic, and this is like the micro account, is this is just where the universal electromagnetic energies of the sun were when you took your first breath. So the sun right. pointing at you and then it's shooting off to the other planets and they're literally bouncing off those planets and coming back to you where you took your first breath. And this is going to start, this gives you a little bit of a blueprint of, hey, these are some, maybe some characteristics that you might have. Now with free will, those are going to change and your environment's going to change them. But that's what really like constructing a birth chart really is. And when somebody does that, it's amazing what they can uncover. We give so much, we're so lost today trying to be like other people. When really, if we could study the, our astrological makeup, we really would have a, a head start on who we are and maybe what we're good at. And they can maybe from there, you could be like, maybe that helps you find your career. But really, that's a, another, that's like the microcosmo of astrology. The macrocosmo is kind of what we were just talking about with Christmas. And that's astrotheology. And that's really where the subject gets interesting because in astrotheology, you're talking about the evolution of human consciousness since the beginning of time. And that's where you actually go through actually eras of human consciousness. So every, every 2000 years or so, you actually move to a different astrological era and it, and it goes in reverse. So we are, in the age of Aquarius now. We were in Pisces before. We were in Pisces, and that's why Jesus was the, the prophet, fish, the fisher of men. And that was because of Pisces. That's why duality was so such a big part, because it's about the two fish. So that's why we really understood this idea of heaven and hell in the last generation, uh, in that last era. And that's why it was so bigger, and that's why heaven and hell doesn't really like scare people or put them in line as much as it used to, because... We've evolved past that point, right? So like the the pyramids, they were made in the age of Taurus. Well, Taurus is the most earth sign of materialism. So that shows why they were so able to master material objects better than we can today. Like we can't make the pyramids as exact as they are, nor can we put them in the astronomy, like the, the placement to the stars that it is. Right, it goes right up to Sirius B, mm -hmm. which that signifies that that Great Pyramid signifies that Sirius B, that's the star that our sun rotates around. So they were so ahead, right? The speed of light was hidden in the the archaeology of, in the makeup, I should say, of the pyramids. So we really have all this new information that kind of comes from all this and you start to see that through the ages you have a almost a forgetting and a remembering kind of wheel, right? That's why Moses, if you ever look at Moses's staff, staff, thank you for that. Um, it's a ram because I was in the age of Aries, right? And that was that we had to go through an evolutionary consciousness now. So we're in the age of Aquarius now. Aquarius is the only zodiac sign that's a man. It's not an animal, right? So, Age of Aquarius is all about technology. We start, I really start thinking about, look at the technological revolution that's happened since the 1970s. I mean, we, my voice can reach people all around the world, right? This used to be restricted even 40 years ago. We would have to be radio operators at like an, a really nice place and to 
get across the world would have been really, really hard, right? Now we can actually connect with somebody in Australia just, just from your own house, right? It's really amazing. Age of Aquarius really shows us too, you know, you always have these prophets that come up every, 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 every time there's a new um, astrological era. And really the age of Aquarius, it's really looking like to us that the internet is the new prophet. And what we do with that prophet depends on whether we're going to be, you know, Star Trek traveling the world or we're going to live in a tyrannical dystopia, 1984, brave new world. Right. But it's our choice. It's kind of like this. What are you going to do with this ultimate tool? Because if you think about it, when we start talking about patterns and we start talking about the law of correspondence and we start talking about the law of mentalism, we see that we're all connected. And what does the internet do? It's the physical connection of all of us. And that's probably a big example of what we're supposed to be doing with this tool that is actually acting almost like the prophet of the new age. So it's like almost like the new Messiah is the Messiah. And what are you going to do with that? And again, that kind of comes down to the tools and like what you do with the tool, kind of like what we talked about in the beginning, right? That's the free will operation that comes in. You could use a tool for good or you can use a tool for bad. But these law of signatures, you're going to see it everywhere. Right. So, um, even like in the study of, in, in the study of early medicine, right? So, we understood when we were starting to study medicine that if something was bitter, it was probably good for you. And so they moved that away from the food supply, and they're like, "No, this is for medicine." Now later on, we study what does bitter do? It creates bile going in your body, so your body can actually process whatever you're putting into it. So, say you're trying to get better with herbs. You would take it with a bitter substance mm-hmm. and almost increase the potency, right? So the law of signatures are also going to help you show you like what food is good for what part of your body, right? You take a carrot and you cut it in half. Look at that carrot straight on. It looks like an eye. What do carrots have? They have vitamin K. Vitamin K is fantastic for your eyes, right? Yellow vegetables, good for the liver, mm-hmm. right? Red vegetables, good for the blood and the heart. So there's all this law of signatures. And again, when you start seeing these patterns, you start really kind of connecting to that vibration and this understanding that, well, my universe is giving me clues at all moments, right? This is why, this is why like um, digital clocks are so unique now, right? Because what shoots you to look at the clock and maybe it says the numbers are 333 or 555. And why is it that like, Oh, this is the second day in a row I've looked up at 555. Like, what did that to me, right? You can wipe that off as a coincidence, or you can look at the synchronicity of that and be like, why did my subconscious shoot me out out of my thought to look at the clock at this both times at that time? So you really start kind of, again, the more you see the pattern, the more you're consciously aware, the more you're going to partake in that pattern. The application. And then, again, you become whole. Because, again, the universe is holographic, so that means you want to get as many pieces of that holograph together because that's all we're trying to do. We're just trying to become whole. We don't, we're tired of being empty. And that's why self-knowledge comes in to put more of those pieces together so you feel complete. So really, it's, it's that this is just such a dance. Um, and this is why dance is so important. And this is why we talked about it earlier because mm-hmm. it's always a dance between the macro and the micro, the left and the right side of your brain. And it's so important, and we're, we're really good at this when we talk about polarity, to be in that middle spot. Again, that middle path and ebb and flow as well, and not become too 
crystallized in your positions, crystallized in your ideas, crystallized in your thoughts and your emotions, but always be breaking down patterns to create stronger patterns, right? We're talking about the weaving, you always want that weaving to be tight so you can carry your own, own load, you don't have to rely on somebody else carrying it for you. If it gets tight enough, you can help carry your community, but until you have that tight of a, of a, like a webbing, you really can't take on the problems of other people, and that's what happens a lot of us. We ignore our own problems because we get like sucked into other people's problems, and we might help them solve them, but at the end of the day, we, we don't really solve our own problems, and if we solve our own problems, we'll be able to help out our friends and our families exponentially more, you know, so much more than we actually do. Yeah, absolutely. Well said, man. Well said. I love talking to you. Oh, I love talking to you, man. No, oh, this is great. And and I, I know you stated this in the beginning, you know, we will... Um, continue talking about a lot of these principles over and over um, throughout the podcast and the law that is that the natural law and and how it all works with us and I'm excited for that I'm excited to hopefully go back to topics that we made of might might have I should say um, covered a little too quickly but talking it out like this with you again is always so enjoyable so um, I hope for you as a listener you know, we we can do a good job as always clarifying what we're stating, but also just know that we will have more to say about it, you know, down the road. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that brings up a really good point. My, um, my girlfriend was listening to this and she's like, you should really have people send in questions. Um, if they have any questions about the stuff you're asking, or you guys want to know a little bit more or just an explanation of like, Hey, this is what I was taught. Mm-hmm. How does this relate? Because I'm sure it does. Um, but again, send us through Instagram, send us through our website. Personally, you can send it to us. Um, and we, we would love to answer your guys' questions and kind of connect with our growing audience. Cause, um, like we said, we're in this together and it's such an honor, but, um, yeah, your experiences, you, if we can learn from your experiences as well, that's an experience for ourselves and then it's an experience from our listeners. So I'm sure if you have a question, five or six other people have that question, you know, and that was something that I would always try to press when I was in the classroom teaching was, you know, it's almost selfish for you not to ask the question you're asking because what if there's a person in the front has that same question that maybe they're just a little shy. So you really wanted to push people to ask questions because a lot of times people don't want to ask questions so they don't have the time to, to like write out that email. But if you do have the time, we would be so joyful. Yeah. Extremely thankful to hear from you. So, uh, We will uh, connect with you again uh, next week. And yeah, it's um, birthday. He was trying to sneak away. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's, uh, it's a June big 9th. year, June 9th, yeah, 30, 33. Yes. Um, so uh, very, very excited, very thankful to still be here on this earth and to have elevated out of my 20s into, Oof. you know. Yeah, we are both almost there. Yeah, yeah we, we, got out, we got out of it. We got out of it. Survived. Uh, we survived. And, and again, it's... It's a, it's a true blessing and something I'm very thankful that we can, you know, hopefully aid you into knowing thyself, which is why, why we do what we do. So uh, thanks again, and we'll talk to you again next week. Until next time.